back again, episode two of the Fan Section Podcast. We found a name, everybody. We are so excited to yeah. come along for the ride. Join the section, sections however many, 100 through 300 of the bleachers. Uh, like I said, our name is the Fan Section now. We uh, Our episode one, we didn't have an actual name, but now we do. We have a Twitter handle as well, the Fan Section. Get us or holler. You can get us um, on over at Twitter. Uh, the fan section one at, at, at Twitter, and then we also have an email that is kind of attached to that Twitter um, correlation as well. So for any inquiries or whatever, just go ahead and reach out to us. Uh, big week, lots of things, lots of things have been happening. Even today, like we're recording this on July twenty fourth. Um, Jesus, so let's just jump right into it, man. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm really excited for it personally because it's all about the SEC. We're highlighting it. Um, what? Happened from your perspective because I thought a bomb just dropped. Yeah, the rich get richer. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, so I mean, we talked about this last year uh, about how the conferences that found a way to move forward and play out a football season uh, amidst the uncertainty of COVID and everything, they would increase their brand and their stock. Meanwhile, some conferences were hesitant and half-stepped and struggled. Uh, i.e. the Pac-12, and sort of wondering how that would affect their positioning in the uh, college football landscape. Uh, What has surprised me is that, uh, at least from that perspective, is that the Big 12 was was really uh, forward-looking last year, and they were kind of in lockstep with the SEC. They, you know, every team in the Big 12 played, you know, uh, 10 games or so. I mean, they they weren't um, uh, half-seasons like we saw in the Big 10 or the Pac-12. But uh, when was it Monday, SEC Media Day, it leaks out that uh, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma are, not, not only are they interested, they have been actively reaching out to the SEC about joining the conference. Crazy. And, like, yeah, so, like I said, a big, big bomb, big, like, anything, any big word you can think of that happened. And SEC just carried on like it was normal. That's what kind of blew my mind. Like, because you had, um, at that point, Alabama had already spoken, Georgia had already spoken, um, at Texas A&M, well, I think I think Texas chose their hate for A&M because the day that Texas A&M was supposed to hit the podium, this drops. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, you know what I mean? Like A&M left because they wanted to be more competitive. They wanted to get their recruits. They, a big pitch was, hey, come to the SEC, blah, blah, blah. Um, but my point is, does this mean that the other conferences, such as the Big 12 now, lo- like leaving, you know, losing their – Arguably, their two best teams, right? Uh, or not two best, but Oklahoma's been one of the best teams in that conference for a very long time. Texas is the tradition and the prestige that you think of whenever you think Big 12, you think Hook'em Horns. So it's like one of those things where do you think that the other other conferences are scrambling? If I'm, maybe, say, the Pac-12, I'm doing whatever I can to get some of those other other big, not Big East, but it also like like what, what schools, maybe Nevada, bring them over? Uh, you want... You want them to be like make sense to like based on the map, right? So it's like that's why this move to me is a little confusing because Texas is pretty far from where A and M is. It's like I think it's like a three four hour drive, right? And A and M, I believe, like where just where Texas is in the, in Austin, like it's not it's not SC, You don't think SEC as far as like where the map goes. So that's one thing I'm trying to figure out. And there is also like all this talk about how they're going to do a bunch of divisions. That they're called pods. They're going to keep four teams in a pod. One team plays three, the other three 
in that pod every year, but then they have every three years they have a rotational schedule, so you're basically hosting every single team in the SEC at least once every three years, which that's cool. I mean, I just don't want it to ruin the rivalries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that you need to – and the pod, the latest mock that I saw of the pod was that A&M and Texas weren't in the same – um, division or pod, and I think that's total bullshit. Like you gotta, if you're joining, you have to keep those two together because those two teams hate each other, and it's just it only builds. So I don't know. And now all this other talk about possibly, and and people, this is a rumor. Um, it just came across today. Like I, I saw the Twitter feed about it that the SEC has reached out to Clemson, Florida State, and Michigan, Ohio State. So they're basically saying, look, a few years back, I don't know if you guys remember. They were talking about doing these big five, I think it was four or five mega conferences. Four, and they had, yeah, four. Yeah, four of them. And they had, it was like Big 12, Pac-12, SEC, and then I can't remember the fourth one. But what, Big 10? Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we're going to have the best schools in these conferences, and they're going to buy it out for number one. And this is before the bowl era, or the playoff era. This is just when, you know, number one was number one, number two was number two, and they played each other at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, are we going, are we kind of gearing toward that? Because if... I, I don't know if I'm okay with some of that. Like it's 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 wild. There's a lot up in the air. Every uh, you know, twice a day, all week, Alan and I we we've been just seeing things that's you know just completely off the wall that you would have never thought about. You know, right as you're thinking, okay, um, you know, Texas and Oklahoma might be leaving. Well, that means Big Twelve's got to pick up some teams. Uh, I saw, like you said, the the rumor about. Uh, the SEC entertaining yeah. inviting South Carolina, or I mean uh, Clemson and yeah. Florida State from the ACC, as well as Michigan and Ohio State. And uh, you know, with all due respect to our Michigan and Florida State fans <laughs> out there, you, you ain't you ain't in the brand of the other ones getting no. wooed. So you should feel very lucky to be involved in that exactly. conversation. I mean, geographically, Florida State and Clemson make the most sense to join the SEC. I'm actually kind of shocked that they haven't made this move sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but they liked being where they were, you know, big fish and quote-unquote a little pond. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, which makes sense. I mean, Clemson really wasn't a big powerhouse until Dabo came. So having having said all that, I, we'll, as, as news comes out, you know, throughout the week, we'll definitely hit on it. But like we did say at the very beginning, first episode, we're gonna we're gonna when something big comes in, we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. it. And we're gonna move the fuck on. We're not gonna beat the dead horse. Um, but this this is something that I think will constantly be brought mm-hmm. up uh, throughout. Uh, really, honestly, until the season. I don't know that they. My from what my understanding though is real quick about the Texas and Oklahoma joining. They're leaving the Big Twelve. That's that's they've already said that they're leaving. Texas has their contract. Through 2025, their big TV contract, um, that was a big reason for the Big 12 to be what it is, right? Their whole Texas Network branding, they mm-hmm. have their own TV, you can watch all the sports, all the... Which is sports. which has largely been a failure. <laughs> and, 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 no, and, and I say that to yeah. say, 2024, SEC renegotiates their contract with ESPN, mm-hmm. might be a chance for Texas to have a little more leverage to it bolster might. their Longhorn Network, because exactly. it really has been... Kind of a failure. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I've never seen the the, the actual like channel. You mm-hmm. know, I I you know, haven't looked for it. Um, but I and I, if Texas is on a big game, I'm watching. It's usually on CBS or ABC or something. You know, one of those big prime networks. So it's, you kind of just watch it there. Um, I don't really feel like you're getting anything special from the network itself. But Texas is the brand coming to the SEC. I think is is big. Um, because when you think football, you think Texas. You don't think the Longhorns. Mm-hmm. You just think Texas, right? Like the yeah. state builds and makes it's a factory for for 
top football players, mm-hmm. and it has been, you know, since the beginning of time. Everything's bigger down there. So, well, revenue. I, I, yeah. It comes down to I, I thought long and hard uh, about what you know why. I mean, it makes sense that Texas and Oklahoma would want to leave. Okay, t- I mean, uh, Texas. Texas is the number one revenue-generating athletic department in the country, and by quite a large margin, by by more than $10 million, okay? Oklahoma is number eight. There's not another Big 12 school in the top 25, 30 in the country, okay? So they they are paying the way, those two schools, for all the other teams in the Big 12. There's no question about it. And so obviously there's... You know, it makes sense for financially, okay? Yeah. Now, now, not competitively it doesn't because what would happen, in my estimation, is Texas, a team that just hired a new coach that has been struggling to find their identity since Mac Brown left, they're going to they, – they've been going 8-4, and 9-3, and three, yeah. you know, maybe 7-5. and five. They're going to go to the SEC, and they're going to turn into South Carolina. <laughs> they're going to be – you know what I mean? They're going to be 5-7, yeah. and 6-6 seven, six and six and every then, year. And occasionally it's like, they'll have a breakout year when they get, like, a pretty uh, – good. When they win 10 games, they'll still lose three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're not going to have – they're – Oklahoma's far better suited to compete in the SEC than yeah. Texas, but Texas has the revenue. Now, when, when you look at the conference from the SEC's perspective, that was where I was really struggling. Mm. Why would they even want them? Okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's the re- so here's the deal. I know why you'd want Oklahoma, but not Texas. Just well, doesn't make sense. Texas is just about <laughs> the revenue. I'm yeah. telling you. Okay, the SEC uh, last year made about forty million dollars less than the Big Ten. Okay. Okay. So there's a little big man on the block competition there. The SEC is going, hey, we drive not only athletics, we drive football for sure, which is the major revenue driver. Mm-hmm. Why is it that we're, we have we have less revenue coming in? We you know we have a, a worse TV deal than the Big Ten does. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You bring in Texas and Oklahoma, now you're swinging a bigger stick. Yeah. And you know especially. Like you said, with the rumor, I mean, if they're able to pilfer away Ohio State and Michigan, you can say goodbye to that. So, you can, well, and the, the impact that recruiting will have too, which uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't. There's not going to be enough kids. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're all. If you're a four or five star, you're thinking SEC every year. You're not, and if you're good enough, awesome. But it it really does, in my opinion, hurt the competitive balance of what college football could be. Um, for you know. Like, for example, we highlighted Iowa State last week. Um, where's their recruits going to be? They get three – I mean, it's a good day if they get a four-star for sure, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're, that just comes down to they have to really, really develop these players mm-hmm. that they're going to get future. And that might be good, but that, what that tells me is if you're a coach that can develop these young – the NFL is going to become calling here pretty quick, you know. So I just think the, the, the actual competitive balance of the entire college football landscape is definitely going to – it's not going to be what we what we saw, what we're going to see this year, for sure. This mm-hmm. might be the last real year of it, because if Texas and Oklahoma get the buyout money to, to leave... Yeah, the landscape I mean, could change entirely. Drastically. Well, well, so logistically, just real quick before we move on, uh, my understanding is that uh, coming up this week, the SEC is going to have a member institution vote about whether to accept Oklahoma and Texas into the conference. Oh. The... Uh, you, I mean, you said it earlier. Oklahoma and Texas are—they are—they are not afraid whatsoever 
to announce no. that they are done with no. the Big 12, right? I mean, they're giving these kind of half-assed, well, we're not going to address that. They they very obviously want to leave the Big 12. Well, what I saw in the article was that they've been in the works for six months yes. mm-hmm. doing this, and it's been, like mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And they went to they, – they went to – they just had their Big 12, like, you know, athletic meeting, director meeting, a big, big meeting. And Oklahoma and Texas ADs were just sitting there laughing. Mm-hmm. Like, they were quiet. They were like, oh, yeah, we all, things are happy, things are fine. And then you find out that – uh, during SEC media days, hey man, we're out. It's like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, there was a there was an athletic department uh, video conference uh, reportedly towards the end of last week in the Big Twelve to discuss this matter, mm-hmm. and uh, conveniently, both Oklahoma and Texas did not attend that yeah. video conference phone call. <laughs> they they want out uh, now. I'm, well, they're they're making it known. That they appear, they wanted to appear that they won out. Well, the last article I saw that said they're for sure leaving. So it's like, oh. Well, but the question is, so here's what I was just going to say the logistics of it, okay? The question is, the only thing, I think the only real barrier at this point is the vote in the SEC. So there are 14 member institutions in the SEC. In order to accept these two new teams, Oklahoma and Texas, into the conference, Mm -hmm. there need to be 11 positive or affirmative votes. Okay, so that means okay. if there are only four schools that vote against, Oklahoma and Texas are not extended well, the invitation. Know you know AM's going to say no. So, <laughs> so here's a list of five contenders that yeah. could be voting against. Right. I think pretty obviously A&M and Missouri will vote against. I think so. They both lived in the Big 12 before. Yeah. They don't want to, you know, they, they feel like they made the move and they want to burn the, kick the ladder down behind them, right? Absolutely. Okay, the other three... Um, our, uh, Arkansas, Sam Pittman at Arkansas has expressed some concern about how it's going to disrupt the conference. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side, you have South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Mm. What what the concern for them would maybe be, okay, is you are in the SEC East. Yeah. If these two schools further west join the SEC, might that push Auburn and Alabama into your division? Well, that's yeah, that's that's another mock that I saw that had Alabama, Georgia, Florida, um, Auburn in the East. Right. And they moved them in, so it's like. And so where where does South Carolina and Vanderbilt have, get in? Yeah, and then you have the West with you know LSU. You'd have Texas, Oklahoma. So it's like if you're in the West or East and you're not Bama, Georgia, Florida, and you're in the you're not yeah. your chances of winning are. are you can have you know a good season, seven wins, awesome. But your chances Maybe. of having seven wins is significantly reduced. I mean, every year the goal is for a team like Arkansas or a team like Vanderbilt win six and get to a bowl, right? Uh-huh. So I can see that the hesitancy oh, probably Vanderbilt's just hoping to win a game. I mean, kind of yeah. seriously, no, you may look at it, uh, it's a, a term from. I know you're. Uh, more of a fan of soccer than I am, but a term from soccer is a relegation. Yeah, I mean, you, you, may, you may see the SEC tell Vanderbilt, "Go join that's, the American." That's what I was about to say. Get the like, out of here. My my biggest concern would be if you're Vanderbilt or even Missouri. Like you haven't, you, Missouri had that one big year, their second year in right. the SEC, but since then they've they've been six, five, six win teams, roughly struggling. Yeah, but Missouri at least brings in revenue. They do. Vanderbilt does not but at my all. My thinking would be if you have two teams that do bring in way triple the revenue you have, Vanderbilt's out. But right. this this doesn't just my my point would be, okay, for football, you can bring in Oklahoma and Texas. Mm-hmm. But Vanderbilt and Missouri do ha- offer other things. College basketball, for one, college baseball. Vanderbilt owns yeah. college the SEC yeah. college baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh 
the Olympic sports as well. I mean, it's not just dominated by Bama. Bama really doesn't have a good track team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Compared to South Carolina or, L- L- or LSU. LSU. Yeah, LSU. LSU's There's like seven or eight guys in LSU from, from, from the SEC that aren't represented by any of the big schools uh-huh. that are in the Olympics right now right. that are running. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, cool. So, yeah, big news. Um, Jeez, I, I just don't even know. So we're going to find out this week, it sounds like. Um, yeah. The, the one other aspect, and I want to just ask you sort of your opinion on yeah, this. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a topic that that uh, you know people deal with all the time, right? Is mm-hmm. trade offs. I, I always tell <laughs> my wife, life is a series of trade offs, right? Yeah. Absolutely. There are no there are no uh, uh, solutions. You, it's a trade off, right? Yeah. You either get A or you get B. You can't <laughs> have both, right? And life is a series of trade offs. Yeah, yes. Well, for Texas and Oklahoma, you're in the Big Twelve right now. You run the show. You have all the power and leverage in that conference. Did you know in the Big 12, it is a penalty, penalty on the field for the opposing team to do a horns down against uh, Texas. Hey, Did that's you know a, that? Hey, that's, that's a penalty. Good. Yeah, you, and so they asked, uh, they asked Greg Sankey yeah. <laughs> right, earlier this week in the days, and he's so like, I mean, he all but said, like, no, it's not going to be an effing penalty in yes. the SEC. You've got to earn your way in our conference. Exactly. So the question is, for those schools, it's like, clearly they've chosen – that they believe they'll get more money, mm-hmm. but you ain't gonna have near the power that and leverage that you have no. with the Big Twelve. No. So no. I, I just don't even know if it's a smart decision by either side. But we'll find out this yeah, week. Yeah, we'll find out. And 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 moving on to the next segment of, of things, we're finding out a lot of recruiting news. So, um, real quick, just to hit, just to kind of re recap what we just talked about. The big news is Oklahoma, Texas going into the SEC for sure. Um, they're they're going to be voting on that here in a little bit. Um, also, real quick, if you want to leave us a five-star review on our on, on iTunes, Spotify, however you listen to it, go ahead and smash that five-star subscribe, like. We will read the five-star on air. Um, it's kind of a, just our thank you to you for, for giving taking the time out of your day to read it. We also can't wait to hear some of your, your emails as well. Like, like I said, the fan section is up on Twitter. We have our own email, our Gmail account as well. So send us some of your, your mailbag questions, and we'll definitely answer some of those on, on air as well. Um, but getting into the next segment here, recruiting, there's a guy by the name of Manning that some of us around here in Colorado know pretty well. I've heard of him. Yeah, right? Peyton Manning, but his nephew is called Archie. And Archie Manning is the top recruit for 2023 class. He's our, he's a sophomore. They're going to be a junior this year. He just finished up his recruiting visits, and I've never seen the hype around a sophomore Ever like this before? It's all, you know, you know who I think, and you follow it a lot more closely than I do. Yeah, but it reminds me. I mean, in a different way. Just talking about hype, not right. like necessarily recruiting hype, but yeah. hype. It reminds me a little bit of like when LeBron was in high school, doesn't it? Yeah, it on does. every magazine, it's like the second yeah. coming. Right. Yes, yeah. but so there's everywhere this kid goes, there is a camera, mm-hmm. right? Because people now know who he is. So he just he is going to go to the SEC. So that's. Obviously, he has ties because of his his family, Ole Miss, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did take his where he just he actually just finished up his recruiting. So he hit Ole Miss, he hit Tennessee, he did go to Georgia, he went to Bama, and I do believe he went to, he rounded it out with with an LSU trip. Um, I'm not expecting him to go to Bama. I'm not expecting him to go to Georgia because Georgia has like I we talked about last week. They have three five stars kind of waiting in the wings. Um, He's going to go and be the day one starter. Just kind of we talked about how Quinn Ewers going to Ohio State. He's not going as the nation's number one recruit to sit. Wherever this kid goes, he's going to start day one. He's going to early enroll. He's going to sign his letter of intent in December. 
Um, I I honestly fully expect him to. It's either it's probably between Tennessee and Ole Miss. Tennessee, maybe depending on the coaching change that coming in in 2023, because I don't foresee the coach being there that long. But if he's able to link Archie Manning, that might save his job. Um, but I, I I don't know that style of offense. I know that Tennessee is kind of a dumpster fire. They haven't really been the, the school that they you know since the 2000s. Um, as far a lot of things have happened. Tennessee, I think being good for the SEC or only helps the SEC. But well, if so, they can land Archie. So, so Tennessee's head coach Josh Heupel, mm-hmm. he he was uh, the coach at UCF after Scott Frost. So he might be there. He uh, might be I, there. I believe he's going into either his second or his third season. They have underperformed Very. without without question. Oh yeah. But he is a Bob Stoops acolyte. He's an okay. Oklahoma guy. Okay. Was a quarterback at Oklahoma, and so I don't. Think and and if you think about the the, the lineage mm-hmm. of the Mannings, yeah. for Peyton to go to Tennessee really was kind of a rebellion because Archie, <laughs> the patriarch of the family, Archie, the grandpa, was an All American at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and obviously had an incredible career in the NFL. Yeah, Eli went to Ole Miss as well, and people around the Ole Miss program. Right when when Peyton Manning went to Tennessee, they thought that was a that was a turncoat. Yeah, that was a you know I mean that that was a uh, just a complete abandonment, a Benedict Arnold type deal. Right. So I'm not entirely sure. Aside from Peyton, I don't know what his interest in Tennessee might be. My guess would be, and you, again, you'd know it a lot better than me. No, it would just be. But my guess would be Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. My guess is probably Ole Miss. Uh, and Lane Kiffin's a hell of a recruiter. The only he is the only the only tie I can see is like I said, if you want to be like Peyton, which out of the two brothers, who was better? You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't really foresee Tennessee kind of being in the mix, but I, I think that that's the top two right now. This is 2023, so it's going to change for mm-hmm. sure. He's not going to commit. He's not going to be like uh, Levius Overton, who's all Oklahoma. He's the nation's number one uh, defensive lineman coming in for the 2023. Um, Arch Manning is the, the best quarterback um, in that class, but he's the, the nation's second best overall recruit. So, uh, I don't know. Clemson, don't count Clemson either. The, uh, DJ yeah. won't be there uh, in 2023, so if he wants to step onto the field, they want to play, especially if – you know, for whatever reason, Clemson somehow gets into the SEC. Don't count them out. Maybe there's something he knows that we don't. You know, and, and you you only know this on the. I'm sure Dabo Sweeney was like, "Hey, by the way, man, in 2023 we're going to be in the SEC, so you should give us a hard look." Maybe, maybe you don't know. I don't know. I'm that's his speculation, obviously. But that'd be a big pitch for sure because he definitely does want to play um, in the SEC. You know, that family's born and bred all SEC. Mm-hmm. Um, also, other news. It was Clemson had a really big week, uh, just kind of piggybacking off what Clemson maybe possibly has with Archie Manning. Um, they were able to snag a ton of defensive backs, and by ton, I mean there was three of them that they've signed, all from this high school IMG, which is a factory. Like I compare it to to Columbine out here. They just they, how they pump out recruits to CU and CSU. IMG pumps out SEC products like nothing. It's going on a style. Um, they had it was uh, I believe. Dalen Everett was their um, big, big find of the of he, he committed this week to Clemson. Um, he's the number eight corner out of uh, out of the class, and then they also had um, Keon Sab commit to them as well. Um, he he had looks by you know you name the school. These kids are four or five stars, so like it, every school in the nation wanted them. Um, so yeah, uh, your 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 buffs got a big a big signing. It was a three star. 
Um, Simeon Harris, he was an athlete. Uh, so he's probably projected as a receiver. Um, he might, depending on where the Buffs will need help in that secondary, he could fit in there pretty well. But he's more hes more built to be a receiver. He's not exactly, unless he wants to put on some weight. Um, and then finally, Branson Robinson, the running back, the, the nation, they're – there's kind of mixed reviews on him. He's he's listed as a four star on a site that I like to use, two four seven. He's listed as a five star in rivals. He's listed as the number three the nation's number three running back in this class. He's listed as the nation's number one running back on rivals. So be he's we'll just say he's the second best running back in the class. Um, just to kinda hopefully I don't ruffle anybody's feathers, but he did commit to my dogs. Uh, big pickup for them. It was kind of an easy pitch. He was crystal ball to Georgia from the start of it. They really, really went after him pretty hard. So that kind of rounds it out for the actual overall recruiting. Clemson continues to climb up the boards. Um, where I have them right now is they're, they're listed as, I believe, the second um, behind. No, they're not, actually. They should be, but they're not. So Ohio State's number one. Penn State's number two. Uh, Notre Dame is three, LSU is four, Oklahoma is five, Georgia six, um, Clemson's thirteen. Even with those, but that maybe they just haven't updated the rankings. Okay. Um, so look for that to change. And like I said, people, it's July. Just yeah, it's start. very fluid and dynamic. Yeah, very fluid. Uh, you'll know. Like I said, if in, in episode one, you'll know if that kid isn't going to your school if he schedules another official visit. Most of these kids will schedule an official visit to their. They'll probably go to a couple games they want to see. But if it's someone that they were pretty warm on, for example, like if Branson Robinson, who was really high on Alabama before it was Georgia, if he goes to the, say it's the the Iron Bowl, you know, pretty late in, in the season, right, you get a little worried. But he should have already committed by then. He should have actually, like December is the commitment date. So he should have his mind pretty made up before then. But if he does take an official visit, you're like, okay, get a little worried. Because he saw something on TV that, that that school really, really did pitch him really well. And they, they're not going to give up. you know. And, and recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. And if you want those kids, you're going you're gonna to find a way. You're going to do everything you can to get them. So having said all that, though, that kind of wraps it up for recruiting. Um, the next segment is something I'm pretty excited for because we talk about the guys that actually do recruit these players, the coaching staffs. We're going to go ahead and rank our, our best coaches and our coaches that – are probably going to be fired here pretty quick. So we'll call it the coaching carousel. <laughs> the, heat, the heat is up a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, um, go ahead and, and I'll, let, I'll let Tyson take it off on that coaching carousel bit. So I, I kind of put together uh, my list of the top. I think, you know, really there's kind of six coaches that you could really say uh, sort, of, sort of career performance and accomplishment-wise as well as being competitive currently, right? Okay, so, you know, a coach that won, you know, uh, seven Big 12 conference or Big 8 conference uh, championships 20 years ago, if they just came back into coaching, you know, I mean, you're not going to be at this cream of the crop. Okay, this isn't the top coaches of all time. This is the top uh, sort of combination, most accomplished, uh, um, you know, and and most um, uh, competitive 
How far back do you have it? Do you have it like last year, the year before, or do you think? So, so the the metric by way I looked through this, and and we're gonna go over a number of these things. But obviously, national championships is a major metric. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, any any uh, national coach of the year awards. Okay, uh, especially more recently, uh, conference championships. All of this being weighted more heavy to more recent information. Mm-hmm. Uh, number of Heisman Trophy winners. Oh, wow, Heisman. Okay. You know, uh, so that would be player development, or, or at the very least, ability to recruit, right? Absolutely. So so with that being said, I think everybody already knows, it goes without saying, <laughs> the number one coach, and has been for quite some time, Nick Saban, uh, seven national championships, two AP National Coaches of the Year. Um, Eight-time SEC championship. Yeah, so uh, you, you kind of, when you said the number of Heisman winners, yeah, yeah for sure. Nick Saban, the, the things that he's been able to do since coming back from the NFL – has been amazing. Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith, just to highlight a few guys. Um, Tua, I don't, he didn't win the Heisman, but what he was able to do with Tua when mm-hmm. he replaced him, that just that coaching mm-hmm. understanding of like the situation, right? Like, so everybody, it makes me laugh as a Georgia fan. We, we play Bama's, you know, here and there every, feels like every year. We always get up on them early, right? And then, but I'm always at the mindset where it's like, you know, you're a good coach when you can make halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban is the king mm-hmm. at halftime adjustments. He, he, I've never seen a coach been able to not only figure out what that what the uh, opponent or opposition is doing mm-hmm. in game, like he does. The the man is just he's born to, he's he was born to coach college. Like he, he just the player. Everybody respects him, loves him. He, I mean, as much as I hate Bama, I can't. I have to respect Nick Saban. You know, so. Right, and number two. Uh, Clemson's own Dabo Sweeney. He has a career win percentage, eighty-one point three percent. That's one of uh, one of the higher ones. Uh, obviously, there are some coaches that have higher. Ryan Day being one. He's only coached for a couple of years. Yeah. Obviously, took over after Urban Meyer, who is one. He of got the, gifted a team. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of a misleading metric. Yeah. But uh, but Dabo Sweeney, uh, two national championships, one time AP National Coach of the Year. Um, and then he has had three Heisman finalists, has not had a Heisman winner uh, to date yet. Mm. And Which they, is shocking. Like Trevor Lawrence, you thought. Would be like, oh, Deshaun Watson should have won it. Yeah, well, Sean, yeah. Watson for sure. But mm-hmm. my thinking was like, oh, come on. You, you have Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the, the the number one overall pick. He was going to be since yeah. he, his freshman year. Like, kind of shocked me. Um but yeah, Dabo Sweeney, another another really good coach. Nothing but respect for him. I, I, I am told he does ruffle a lot of people's feathers though, because he kind of he's kind of that no bullshit guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you know what you're going to get with him. Culture guy. He's a culture guy, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, so then number three, and this is Alan's going <laughs> to a little pushback here. But number three, I think, uh, is Jimbo Fisher. Ooh. There's only okay. there's only four active coaches who have won a national championship in college football, He's it being the three we've just named, and then obviously uh, LSU. Yeah. Uh, what's it? Ed Ogeron. Ed Ogeron, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the only four active coaches who have won a national yeah. championship. Okay, Jimbo Fisher, uh, three-time ACC championship, had a Heisman Trophy, obviously, uh, <laughs> Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner. James Winston, um, you know, uh, I, but I would say I, I've been impressed. I think him coming in uh, and coaching Texas A&M, a, a not historically SEC rooted program, yeah. and the, the the progress that they've made. I mean, they, uh, you know, they 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 finished with a. 
a top five last year. It did. So there's a top, there's a there's a perfect fit for every college program out there, right? Mm-hmm. I think Jimbo Fisher, as much as I think A and M is overrated, um, is that he fits that because he came over from the ACC. You know what I mean? After having a ton of success there, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, perfect fit for sure. He does. I mean, as as much as I really don't like A and M for. It's not. It's not because of him. Like he's he actually made me respect them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. His recruiting classes have been, you know, pretty top of the charts, uh, rightfully so. He's just a great coach. And there's certain people on. I mean, everybody on this list is a great coach, right? Yeah. Uh, there's there's really not too much to say. Well, it's tough to win in the S. Listen, Kevin Sumlin is a good coach. Oh yeah. And and he got decimated at A and M. I mean, just seriously, think about this. Had he not had Johnny Menzel, who came out of nowhere. They they would have they I mean they would have been six and six to eight and four every year exactly. since they joined the SEC exactly. you know what I mean and so uh, you know Jimbo Fisher comes in and sort of writes the ship there yeah for sure number four another guy who was kind of gifted a program on autopilot Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma uh, three time college football playoff appearances in his four years of coaching um, won the Big Twelve championship every year he's been a coach. Yeah. I was so disappointed last year. I thought Iowa State was going to be able to break through and finally, <laughs> finally get a win. Maybe but this year, yeah. He also has the two Heisman Trophy winners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, so Baker Mayfield, Kyle Murray, um, potentially Spencer Rattler might be another one to add to the mix. Well, and the one and the one in twenty nineteen was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, not a bad option either. No, no, and I, I told him, I don't know if this this still remains to be seen. I said Jalen Hurts, I think is the best quarterback prospect of that NFL draft, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to get a shot this year with the Eagles. So it's like Lincoln Riley knows how to find quarterbacks. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. Uh, I think Lincoln Riley was a big reason why Spencer Rattler was all Oklahoma when he was being recruited by him. He was all Oklahoma because he knew what he was able to do with the quarterbacks that he had. So that being said, though. This potentially, as we hinted earlier, is probably the last year Oklahoma gets a shot at the Big 12 title. So, you know what? If you're them, balls to the wall, go out every game, put up 60 on everybody, and, and, and leave no doubt. I think Lincoln Riley, if he is able to do that, I, I think his days in college are numbered because there's going to be an NFL team that does offer him. Yeah. They, just, they back up a Brinks truck and they say, yeah. here you go, dude. So, yeah, could he, this be the last year? He's, next year? he's a hot commodity, just like our... Number five coach, Ryan Day at mm-hmm. Ohio State. Uh-huh. Uh, getting a lot of uh, attention and eyes from the NFL as well. <laughs> Two-time uh, college football playoff appearance. Obviously, they performed exceedingly well this last playoff. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I, I was, and I think most people were quite surprised how they decimated Clemson, Clemson. in the semifinal. Yeah. That, that, that game plan that he had, so coming off of just like – I mean, they had bulletin board material that whole week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They uh, pretty much all season, right? Yeah. Uh, the fact that he had that game plan and he he really used his tight ends. He really used Justin Fields, and he he just said, "Look, I'm going to put the ball in my best player's hands." And Chase Young is was a man among boys. Like yeah. the dude's a monster, man. So yeah, a lot of a lot of really good talent that he Ohio State, and he's been able to actually recruit. You you hinted that he might potentially be also on the, on his way to the NFL. I don't know. I think he's happy where he's at. I mean, especially if Ohio State goes to the SEC, he might he you might see a couple coaches at that point kind mm-hmm. of say mm, you know what I mean because Alabama, Georgia, Florida's LSU's even you know even the A and M's like mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to stick around. So we'll see. We'll wait and see. But his winning percentages. He, de- he definitely seems a lot more of 
sort of the, the, the culture and the make of someone who sticks around in college football. Yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying about Lincoln Riley, how he's a lot more kind of uh, the, the new hot, the new hotness, uh, you know, with um, um, Kyle Shanahan, yeah, some yeah, of these coaches, yeah. you know, some of, yeah. some of the some of the analytics and okay. some of the different uh, uh, types of coaches that are yeah. looking for in the program. Well, NFL, NFL wants the next hot thing, as yeah. you said. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, the, who's that? You know, who's that yeah. young coach? I mean, Ryan Day isn't really young by any means, but who's the most innovative? I think who's the one that can really, really get the most out of these pros? Kind of either whether it be their first year, the rookie year, or they're they're playing for another contract. So I think Ryan Day does fit that bill. Uh, and then our, uh, I, I misspoke earlier, of the active coaches that have won a championship. Our number six is one of them. So it's four totals, Nick Saban, or five totals, Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Ed Ogeron, Dabo Sweeney, and our number six coach, Mac Brown. Oh, man, the old Texas legend himself. <laughs> yeah. So obviously one national championship, 2005. Mm-hmm. Vince Young, I, I will take to my grave that that is the absolute best college football player I've ever seen it's play. the greatest game I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the greatest it's game ever. Game. I think, uh, you know, the only player that I've seen, and, and I remember watching Michael Vick, and he was crafty and fast. Lamar Jackson, very similar thing. Yeah. But I think the, the two players where when they stepped out on the field, it was just over, yeah. were Vince Young and Cam Newton. Those For me, are the, it was Reggie Bush, I think. Yeah. I mean, and that's why I think it was such a big – it was crazy. They, mm-hmm. they Weren't they up like 21 nothing. Mm-hmm. USC was on Texas, and oh, they had the lead for for quite a while. You yeah. remember uh, Reggie Bush tried to pitch it as he yeah, was uh, 30, 30, 40 30 yards up. down the field. Uh, <laughs> anything to win. Right? That was the season that uh, that they got the uh, old, old uh, Brady Quinn would remember this, the old Bush push across Matt, the end zone yeah. to beat Notre Dame. Yeah, and that was Matt Weiner too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Landale White, local the, legend yes. from uh, Denver here, who, who still owns the USC touchdown record. Just let you. Yeah, know. Really? yeah he does. He still yeah. owns that. So that's number six, and then uh, Alan, you want to dive into some of the coaches on the hot side oh, here? Oh man, okay. So this is <laughs> the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah, the complete opposite. So we'll shift gears here a little bit, and we'll talk about the coaches that we don't expect to actually have jobs here in the near future. So uh, some potentially even, maybe even during the year. So we'll start with who I think it, Michigan isn't known to fire their coaches during a year, but a lot of people last year thought that Harbaugh was going to be fired uh, after week six. It didn't happen because Michigan just isn't that type of a program. They, they actually treat their, their, their coaches pretty well in the sense of, you know, as well as you can be, right? They're not going to make your family move, pick up and move, you know what I mean? But Jim Harbaugh has, whatever percentage, you know, it's close to, close to 70%. Not bad, but for what he was brought in to do, which was beat Ohio State, beat Michigan State handedly, and compete for Big Ten championships, he has not done that. His record against Ohio State is 0-5. His, 20, his 2020 record versus uh, Michigan is 3-3. Three and three. His war record is 1-4. and four, And he's making way more money than he actually ends up being deserving of right now. So, But I also understand that a lot of it is an NFL effect. Mm-hmm. They thought that they would strike lightning in a bottle with Nick Saban. So it was kind of along the mantra of, like, Nick Saban comes in from former NFL. Harbaugh's going to be in NFL. He's going to big recruiting pitch, right? They did come up with a really pretty good running back this last draft class that I'm excited to see. We'll see how he does with him, but I'm not expecting too much from from Michigan, honestly. I think Michigan State has more of a chance against Ohio State. Uh, 
ton so, of ton of coaching turnover. It's yeah. real weird. They, 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 it seems like I've been watching some of the Michigan boards, and it seems like they're talking about they're trying to do kind of like what Notre Dame w- did with uh, Brian Kelly about three years ago when uh, they had hit kind of a lull, or four years ago when they had hit kind of a lull at Notre Dame, yeah. and they cleared out a number of coaches. They kind of restructured his deal, uh, and then obviously they, they've performed well the yeah. last several years yeah. Notre Dame has. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Harbaugh's – Salary up until this most recent restructure was about eight million dollars mm. a year, which is asinine when you consider, like you said, yeah, two and four record last year, and you have not beaten Ohio State not once, no, in your time there, and they weren't even competitive. I mean, I get it. Justin Fields was there last year. You're not going to beat Ohio State, but the years before that, yeah. I mean, you, you come on, like you had uh, who was it? Uh, was it Dylan McCaffrey? As you you weren't sure if he was the guy, and then you threw him in, and yeah. you replaced him after like the fourth week. Yeah. Like he didn't even have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's just there's a lot of things, and I think the reason why he didn't get fired at the end of last season is because of the the contract the salary. They probably couldn't come up with 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 the buyout. Check this out. You ready? They yeah. did they did that restructure, but check this out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my numbers have Michigan starting off seven and one mm. through week eight. Here's how they finish the season: Indiana at home, at Penn State, at Maryland, at Ohio State. I have them losing all four. They finish seven and five. Jim Harbaugh, goodbye. With a seven and five record, yeah. Well, he's, so his the thing with him is he's a Michigan man. He was a Michigan quarterback yeah. in college. Yeah. So I agree with you. They're not going to fire him midseason. He's the number one overall pick. And 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 they and they might not fire him. Anyway, but he'll retire. Yeah, he's he there. It's done. This it's yeah. it's it's done for yeah. him. Yeah. But okay, go ahead. So moving on to the second guy on the list is uh, uh, Dino Dino or Dino Dino Babers. Dino yeah. Babers. Yeah. So it's like he uh, it's from Syracuse. Syracuse really had he he was brought in uh, after Syracuse, I believe, went to the Pinstripe Bowl. They had a pretty good season. Um, this is his fifth year. Really, they haven't done much. He's his last his last. Five or last records of the Power Five guys are three and fifteen. The ACC has some ranked teams, but he hasn't been able to beat any of them. And it's like the group of five that he's been playing against. He's two and two against. His, he does mm-hmm. one thing though that he does have to his credit is the bowl game that they did go to. He did win. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So he was able to rally troops, but his recruiting classes have been bottom of the barrel. He hasn't really been. He just hasn't been the guy that they, I think they thought. Um, I'm expecting him yeah. to be gone after the season, but it's, at the same time, it's also Syracuse. Uh-huh. They might a good a good year for them is a bowl win, you know, or a bowl game. So I don't know. It's one of those things. But if you're one in ten coming in, I, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Th- th- I have a very good comp for you with Dino ba- Dino Babers, and he's he's a great man, a great leader of men, just not a good football coach. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. But yeah. the the comp I have for you is Mike McIntyre at CU. I don't know if you remember. He was yeah, at CU. Yeah, back back. Everybody he was at back. CU for yeah. about five, six years, five, six years. About it, it was underwhelming. Had one breakout season where we won ten games, mm-hmm. went to the Alamo Bowl, lost to Texas. Uh, fantastic season. Yeah. And then terrible the next two or three seasons. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we've seen with Dino Babers here. Two years ago, well, yeah, go, go to, about two and a half years ago, the, or two seasons ago, they won ten games. They went to a bowl game. You pointed out earlier, yeah. they won that they won bowl, game. bowl game. They had a fantastic season. They won 10 games. And and that's the thing is, just this last year, they went 1-10. And they were trending upward. And you're just like, what the hell happened? Well, was, just, it, was it because of all those recruits that he didn't have coming in that he was able to develop? I have no idea how that happens. I don't know how McIntyre did it. 
There were some special players. I just think it's an outlier season. Yeah. And so then your administration's going, well, he won us 10 games before, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. When clearly, you're one of 10. They need to get rid of this guy. Mm. You know, and yeah. I, I agree with you. It's Syracuse, and I understand, but one in 10 well, it's is... Like, it's like the... It, I don't know. I, I just feel... I feel like Syracuse understands what they are, but they, they, they're not... They're like the Arkansas of, mm-hmm. you know, a good year for them is seven wins, right? Yeah. Being competitive, there was a couple games where they just got blown out. Yeah. You're just like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Especially having – you can't have that after a 10-1 season. Right. So, and another guy that – very confusing on this list is – he's not confusing why he's on this list. Right. It's confusing because USC used to be known as a powerhouse premier program. We were just talking about him, right? Talking about Vince Young. Mm-hmm. Talking about how Mac Brown beat him in Texas. Well, USC has had nothing but drop-off since Clay Helton has taken over. He's under year six. Um, he's – 0-2 against Notre Dame, which is a rivalry game. People don't know that, but there's like a little trophy that they battle for. UCLA, he, he owns UCLA because it's UCLA. If he, but the fact that he's not undefeated against UCLA, that's that's a joke in itself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and his bowl record's 1-2. For what he's making and coming into this year, his winning percentage is barely above uh, 60% at this point. Like, you're just thinking, okay, I, I don't – this is his last year, especially after losing JT Daniels. Like, mm. you – and, and the reason why they lost JT Daniels is because the current quarterback they have was supposed to be the second coming. Yeah, Keaton Slovis. Yes, and he hasn't developed. Yeah. And you. Well, they played honest. half. They played half a season last year. It's like that's that's yeah. tough to develop. Like, okay. you, so last year they went yeah. five and one. Okay, yeah. that's a that's a. It's a good year. It's a good year, but but it's a half of a season. Yeah. You know, they're very much in the same camp kind of as Michigan. Because people, I think the lay person would look at this list and yeah. say, well, Clay Helton and Jim Harbaugh, they, well, they win nine, eight, nine games a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, but those programs want them to win 10, 11 yeah, a year. Yeah, they do. And well, so they're in this, they're, I think for both Jim Harbaugh and for Clay Helton, they're, uh, USC and Michigan, they're kind of in this lukewarm hell where it's like, they would. They just wish Clay Helton would either go undefeated yeah. or go four and eight, because then at least they could say, "Okay, we're done with you." Exactly. You know what I mean? They're always in this mushy middle. It's the land of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. It's the and it's there. It's like where a lot of people are happy to be, but not USC and not. Michigan. And you hear people go, "Well, but who would you replace him with?" My question it's is. Like, my question. I don't. It doesn't matter who you replace him with. You replace him with someone who, who's probably loose and bound. going to be better because you can't. You can't have that that and call it better. My thing is, you're going to start. If you see a dip in attendance, like mm. Michigan had last year and USC, I, but USC did, like you said, they went five and one in a half season. Okay, cool. Attendance didn't really dip, but if attendance starts to dip this year, that the writing's on the wall. Well, they had no just, attendance last year. Yeah, well, I'm because but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what, like, yeah, yeah, taking last year out. In yeah, the yeah. sense, in the sense of like, if you, the fans will speak, mm. and the alumni and boosters are going to hear that, and then the administration's going to be like, we need, we need to sell tickets. Well, I think the alumni at USC. The the big name alumni. I don't think they a lot don't, of them care. They don't. Well, I don't. I don't think they the booster. I don't think they like Clay Hilton. Really? He's not. They want. They want the Pete Carroll of old. They want kind of a more bombastic. Well, he got character. out because of all the sanctions right. coming down. No, so, I know. Like, because he pretty much bought a title, just like a certain someone at LSU that we mentioned earlier. Oh my God, I said that out loud. Anyway, your favorite guy. <laughs> Go Tigers. So. Uh, number four on this list, we do have Scott Frost in Nebraska. Rightfully so. Uh, I'm shocked he's still there. He, I, he's there because he's a Nebraska guy. Yeah, it's the same thing as Michigan. It's the so same dynamic, yep. This is his last year. If he's not able to actually get Nebraska back to the, the – and I'm talking Nebraska like of old, like black shirt defense mm-hmm. where that cornbread dude's lined up and you knew it was going to go to work, right? Um, 0-2 against Colorado. 
That says it all. You bet. Colorado's been... They haven't been bad, but they haven't been the Colorado of, of back in the 2000s, right? And it just shows his 4-13 in the division. So, for what he's making, yeah, this is his last year. Um, you can't you can't get on a short season 3-5. He has to either have... I think the only thing that will save his job, short of an undefeated season, and a, and a they won't go to the playoffs. Well, they might, actually. Yeah, probably Big Ten. So, undefeated season, playoff berth, or... They have a nine-win season, and they lost by like a last-second field goal. Yeah, yeah. I think That's if the only they, thing I can think that they I think if they, my numbers have them going six and six, yeah. which means he's probably, which he's probably done. Going. They haven't, they haven't been to a bowl game since he'd been hired. Mm. Not one time has Scott Frost taken them to a bowl game. The, keep in mind, this is the Scott Frost who at UCF claimed. A split national title <laughs> yeah. five years ago. Okay, yeah. so he's supposed to be this wonderkind, amazing coach. He he was a great quarterback at Nebraska, yeah. but he just can't get it done. And I think it's bigger than Scott Frost. I really do. Yeah. I think their program needs to change because they can't get it done in the Big Ten. I, I, don't I don't know, know what it is. I don't know if it's just the lack of recruiting that they've been able to have. I mean, their classes haven't been anything to drop, you know, sneeze a bar at. So it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, they're they're recruiting well. I mean, not, not for what they were, though. Yeah. Not for what they were. I mean, they used to be top ten, top top five, you know, in the 2000s. Everybody wanted to go to Nebraska and compete for national titles. So here's how they finish out their season. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay, last three games. Ohio State at home, at Wisconsin, Iowa at home. Well, it's safe to bet that probably Frost won't have a job by the end of the next year. Yeah, I think like with Harbaugh, they lose all three of those, and he's done. And then moving on to the number five on this list is uh, Dana Holgrenson. Uh, three and five record last year. Conference, he's five and nine. Top 25, he's 0 and seven against them. The University of Houston, just you can't accept that at all. The Houston was a team I actually highlighted a little bit. Uh, I think that they're going to be a little bit better than they, than they have been in the past. This is kind of a make-or-break year for him. His win percentage is only 40%, so it's like, okay, dude, you've got to step it up, man, especially with the talent that is around Houston area. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you Why aren't you getting some of those players? Mm-hmm. And I get it, you have you have to compete with the SEC and Texas A&M and stuff like that, but still, you do have some pretty good kids that are coming to Houston. There's no real excuse for the fact that, um, you know, you're just missing out on them. I just don't, I don't understand it. Maybe it's because he can't recruit. That, that probably is a big deal with it. But um, for sure, I, I think Houston's kind of trying to figure out how they're going to move on from him at the end of this year. Um, well, so uh, in 2015, Houston went 13-1. and one. Yeah. 2016, 9-4. They haven't won nine games since then. But that wasn't his class either. Those weren't his classes. No, since Dana Holgerson took over. So, well, so he's going into uh, his third season. Yeah. His yeah, third. entering year three. So this will, he'll be starting to get his recruits now. He's he's running off of major Apple White's recruits. But his first two seasons there, four and eight, three and five, that's just it's unacceptable for him. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not going to get done, especially for what they were. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that wasn't his class that was giving him the ten wins and the nine wins. and You know what I mean? Right. So mm-hmm. moving forward, another guy that we have here is, uh, is Josh Fuente. Um, Justin two, Fuente. Justin Fuente, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's been a great day. So yeah, Justin Fuente is two and one against Virginia, one and two against Pittsburgh. Uh, the ball record is two and three. That's not bad. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I think that he might have his job for maybe two more years. Uh, it just really, really depends. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like in the ACC, what's acceptable? Competing with Clemson, I think that's out. But you're Virginia Tech. I mean, you, 
You should you you were competing for national titles at one point. This guy was brought back in to kind of bring that bring the the Hokies back to kind of some glory, I think, and they just haven't really been able to find it. Like, I don't know if that's because they're just they should. I mean, Virginia has Virginia's been out recruiting him in the state. Right. Uh, that yeah. has a lot to do with it. That's that uh, Bronco Mendenhall, the former BYU yeah, head yeah. coach. He came in and he he's really uh, really turned the tables there. Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia Tech. Okay, we think of Virginia Tech and Michael Vick, and we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. Okay, they're very much under Frank Beamer. They were very much kind of a uh, aside from a one-off like a Michael Vick. Yeah. They are uh, sort of win in the trenches, linemen, win on a special team, yeah, you know, yeah. block field goals and yeah. kick returns and stuff. And Smash to, mouth to your point, yeah. they're not in the same division as Clemson. No. Okay, so so North Carolina and Miami have resurrected themselves out of in in the coastal division. Absolutely. Why can't Virginia Tech do that? Right? Like it's pretty glaring the problem going on with Justin Fuente uh, and uh, Virginia Tech. They went 2016, 10 and four in his first year, and then since then, listen to this: nine and four, six and seven, eight and five, five and six. And it's lukewarm hell. It's mediocrity, yeah. and and you're not even in Clemson's division. No, and there's no excuse for that. Like, it just like I said, the bar is Clemson. Everybody wants to be Clemson, but you don't have to be. You could, as we just listed two other teams that have has resurrected their program because of a good coach. It's just like I said, you can't get beat in your own state recruiting wise. You've got to own that state. You've got to get the best players available when you can. And Virginia has been owning them, and that's, I think, what's coming to kind of bite them. And they also development. They don't really know. I don't really think that they have their identity, like you were talking about. They used to be this team that would come in, smash mouth, and they would, they would win on, you know, really, really gritty defensive plays. But they, they really, I don't think defense, when I think Virginia Tech, I don't think anything other than them just being kind of average. Mm-hmm. So that kind of rounds out the uh, actual coaching carousel that we had for you guys. Hope you enjoyed that segment. If you did, go ahead and leave us a little email. Uh, we'll talk about other coaches. Let us know. Yeah, if we miss somebody. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to remove somebody, put somebody else yeah, in there. If you, have any, if you have any arguments about it, too, please let us know, and we'll definitely hash it out with you. Um, moving forward, though, we did get some pretty pretty bad news regarding one of the coaches that we, we did highlight. We talked about it. We didn't highlight it, but we did kind of mention him. Um, last podcast just because he's he's a coaching legend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, earlier last week, uh, the uh, Bobby Bowden family uh, released a press statement saying the 91-year-old uh, head coach, former head coach of uh, Florida State and West Virginia, as well as a few other programs, um, is <coughs> in uh, terminal condition with pancreatic cancer. Um, you know, it's real sad news. Uh, yeah, you know, but it, it gives you an opportunity to kind of reflect on, um, you know, obviously we recognize the measure of a man at the end of the line is not what their career was or what their accomplishments were. So, so maybe it's best that I just start with this, uh, this quote uh, directly from released by the family. Uh, according to what uh, Bobby Bowden says, I've always tried to serve God's purpose for my life on and off the field, and I am prepared for what is to come. My wife, Anne, and our family have been my life's greatest blessing, and I am at peace. Mm. Um yeah, we, we just thought, you know, we, we'd uh, recognize uh, that happening, that situation, and then and then just sort of reflect on what what he meant to college football. Okay, he is the, the second winningest college football coach, Division One of all time. Yeah. Only behind Joe Paterno. A straight legend. Okay, uh, he coached at, um, I don't know if, how many of you have seen the movie uh, We Are Marshall with um, 
Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, but you might remember when they go down to get game film yeah. from West Virginia. Yeah. That was the, at that time, Bobby Bowden was the head coach down there at yeah, West Virginia. Yeah. Coached there a couple seasons. From uh, 1976 until 2009, he coached at Florida State. In that time, they won 10 or more games, 18 seasons. Okay, so more than half of the seasons he coached at Florida State, they won 10 or more games. Um, That's crazy. I mean, it's not really a surprise, though, because just how good of a coach he was. I mean, and look at this, like some of the, just some names to kind of keep an eye on that he had under, and in, in, in this is his, his uh, 1999 Florida State, that, that the year that they won it all. Um, just some names that were under his coaching staff. His son, Jeff Bowden, who's the receiver's coach. Mark Richt. A lot of people know who he is. Uh, former Georgia uh, alma mater from Miami. Mm. Um, Odell Haggins, Steve Gabbard, uh, Mickey Andrews, and then Chuck Amato. Uh, those were some of his assistants. So he does. He the, those guys all came from a really really good pedigree. Mm. It was like I guess the the I'm not trying to compare coaches because I don't really think you can compare Bobby Bowden to anything that we've seen. But the Nick Saban effect, right? right? A ton yeah. of a ton of assistant coaches going and having a bunch mm. of success elsewhere. Um, it, it would only it would only be fitting if Bobby if, if Nick Saban was under Bobby Bowden at some point, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, but Bobby Bowden, I think his eye for talent was insane. Yeah. The he recruited Anquan Bolden, who was a quarterback, um, and and he moved him to receiver, understanding how good he really was. Uh, he he made it to the NFL, and Anquan Bolden say what you want was a. I would say he was probably a top ten re- receiver for his time. Right? Yeah, for several years um, at least. Yeah, yeah. For, for a while. Oh, when right? he was, yeah, when he was uh, even running the wide receiver core out there with uh, Fitzgerald, yeah. Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona when they had Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. they made the Super Bowl that one year yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, he, he was, was a reason. Athlete. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, it just goes to show you. I mean, even like you know, go back to like the the work done. Um, Warren Sapp on that Florida State team under him. No, Warren Sapp was Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but yeah, work done. Um, he also had uh, Rich Mayer was a, was a pretty good player for him. Um, just you can't go on enough about Bobby Bowden and how what he mm-hmm. the transition. I mean, he he wasn't one of those coaches that was so stuck in his ways. This is the offense we're going to run. And no, he actually recruited and he understood players were changing. They were getting faster, stronger. So he's like, let's develop another offense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, evolved, so, evolved with the time. I feel yeah. like there was never you can. When he tried to break down film of Florida State, you couldn't go off of last year. You had to go off of what you saw in spring practice mm-hmm. because a lot of times they would add new new schemes, new complexes, new audibles even in, into the system itself. And he gave the quarterback full control. And I th- I love that about him, I think, because he mm-hmm. trusts his players that he recruited. The The most notable one was in 2006, Myron Roll, nation's number one cornerback. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he went to Florida State for that reason. And he said, there was a quote that he talked about his first day being in practice with Bobby Bowden. He said that he took it, because in high school you can take a couple plays off here and there. He did. He took a couple his first, and the, after the third play, Bobby Bowden benched him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you're not going to come here just to, just to kind of phone it in. And from then, that kind of set the tone for Myron Roll. Um, yeah, well, and you want to talk about leader of men. Yeah. If I recall correctly, my own role, he was a road scholar. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know, uh, brilliant, brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. I think he took a year off of football once he graduated yeah. to go to uh, whatever that school is, Cambridge, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then came back for the next year's draft. Uh, you know, a couple more names for you for that coaching tree. Rich Rodriguez. Okay. Will Muschamp. Will M- yes. And Mike Leach. Okay. Okay, again, so, you, I mean, I think that's a great point. You know, you see how his impact spreads out across awesome. and blossoms and stuff. 
two uh, two uh, Heisman Trophy winners yeah. for uh, Bobby Bowden, Charlie Ward, Chris Winky. Uh, we were just talking before the yeah. podcast about that uh, national championship game, Florida State, Chris Winky against Virginia Tech <laughs> with Michael Vick. Yeah, and it was. I mean, I, I don't really remember much of the game, but I do remember that the you know they won, and and I didn't think. I, when I saw Michael Vick, he was mesmerizing, and it was hard mm-hmm. to forget that you know Florida State blew him out. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't close. It was, it was forty six twenty nine. So, whatever whatever Bobby Brown did to, to isolate Michael Vick, and that's that's no easy task. It just kind of, once again it just goes goes to show you the game plan that he has yeah. against other players and mm-hmm. his him recognizing talent. I got one last thing for you here. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Florida Florida State joined the ACC in nineteen ninety two. Check this out. 12 of the next 14 ACC titles since Florida State joined, Florida State won. Wow. They joined the conference, and then they won 12 of the next 14 (laughs) conference championships. Okay? It's just a reign of dominance that is unparalleled. Bobby Bowden, you know, rest... I mean, obviously, still alive, but when the time time comes, man, you know, rest in peace. Yeah, thank uh, you for what you've done for the college football Mm -hmm. game, and thank you so much for... You know, and it's just too. Hopefully, I, I doubt you're ever going to hear this, but if you do, man, just two dudes that really, really respect the hell out of you and mm-hmm. the fact that what you've done for the, the landscape of, of college football. And Terry and, and Tommy Bowden and the family. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nothing but the best. So, uh, having said that, though, I think it is. We'll move on um, with the next segment. And if you guys, you know, like that segment, go ahead and once again, you know, leave us a, you know, hit our Twitter up, go ahead and email us. Um, your thoughts and condolences to the Bobby Brown family. We'll definitely read them on your next next podcast as well. So, I want to highlight conferences, and I know that a lot of podcasts do this, but I want to do it in a way that we're gonna highlight. We're gonna do them all. A lot of podcasts only highlight like the SEC, the Pac-12, and then they they forget about like the little conferences. But we're gonna we're we're gonna our goal is to bring light to the entire college football landscape, right? Like we mm-hmm. want you to know about the big news, and then we want to talk about some certain players, like we talked about the CUs, you know, even recruiting players that aren't getting enough love. Um, I want to I want to start with Big Twelve. I want to start big and go little. I think highlighting the Big Twelve is something that we did. We hinted at it a little bit last week about Iowa State. I highlighted some players from there. So, without further ado, Big Twelve Conference preseason. Um, list came out, and Oklahoma is ranked number one. Uh, and this is this is the coaches poll, the media and coaches poll, pretty much. So like they come together and they're like, all right, who's gonna win it all mm-hmm. in this conference? Uh, Iowa State comes in second. Oklahoma, uh, Texas is third. Oklahoma State is fourth. TCU, and I want to save that. Let's put a pin in TCU, but they're ranked fifth. West Virginia is sixth. Kansas State's gonna come in at seventh. Baylor's going to be eighth. Texas Tech, who I said I think is going to have a bit bigger year. Clearly they don't agree with me. They come in at ninth, and, and KU is coming in at tenth. I think we'll be shocked if KU is able to win a game. So that's they. I think they got that right, uh, even with Les Miles, right? Uh, the fact that Les Miles is still their head coach yeah. and they haven't been able to do anything just blows my mind. Well, um, in the offseason drama, I mean, there's that whole deal with the yeah. the the one player from West Virginia who had reported his teammates were dealing drugs. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's just a bunch of crap. It's very kind of similar to Arizona State we were talking about last week. Just a bunch of drama off-field. He's already lost the locker room. Yeah, I, I think that that tenure is coming to an end. Absolutely. And he was <laughs> – yeah, it's, it's, you, you said it perfectly. So, um, But let's highlight where we think – do you have any any changes to this list? 
Uh, well, so so my analytics obviously they have Oklahoma rated very highly. Uh, so they're number one, Iowa State number two. Uh, you know, like you talk about with Texas A&M, every season I think I mentioned last podcast, Texas just overrated, yeah. overhyped. Mm-hmm. They have a brand new head coach coming in, Steve Sarkeesian. He knows nothing about Big Twelve football. Mm-hmm. He washed out and wimped out of the Pac twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, the you know I wish him luck. Yeah, he, he went yeah. back. He was taken under the under the arm, uh-huh. under the wing of Nick Saban at Alabama. He's a hell of a play caller. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, in the Big Twelve. Okay, yes, it's high-flying offense here and there. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. At the end, it comes down to what team is making that big stop at the end. Sarkeesian has no defensive prowess whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he puts together his coaching staff. I, I, I have them finishing fifth. Mm-hmm. I have them and TCU um, switched. Uh, and I think TCU is a team that maybe you were wanting to talk about. Yeah, a absolutely. Bit. I do. I do 100% agree. I actually think Texas is going to be way to vote way for a little bit further down the list. I think they're gonna they're gonna struggle for sure. Uh, that's way too high of where I have them. Um, I think TCU is the team to kind of watch this year in this conference. So um, they're bringing back a lot of really good talent. Uh, Max Duggan, uh, 1,795 passing yards last season. They also have. The former nation's number running running back Zach Evans, who did commit to Georgia, a lot of stuff went down with the, his paperwork and all that fun stuff. They couldn't get him enrolled. He also before that he was going to go to LSU. He bounced around. He couldn't figure out. He is a head case. He couldn't figure out where he wanted to go. So then finally Georgia kind of passed up on him. LSU passed up on him, and they moved on with their with their recruiting. He settled for TCU because that was the school that really wanted him. Um, Zach Evans is coming back, and, and and Max Duggan is coming back as the leading rusher, but Zach Evans is the number one, So, and he's only a sophomore. I think that we're just starting to scratch the surface on how good he actually really is. Garrett Wallow, their, their nation's, not nation's, but um, 90 tackles for the year, probably. That's a lot of tackles. That's a lot of tackles. <laughs> so my thinking is, like, if that's not one of the nation's top linebackers coming back, then who is? You know what I mean? Like, Nate obviously Landman. Mike Rose, Nate Landman, <laughs> players like N'Kobe Dean, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, players like that that are out. But keep an eye out for Garrett Wallow. The kid really, really has – and I get it. It's also TCU. It's based on how you do. But Nate Landman's been able to, you know, make make some accolades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if TCU does what I think they will do, and, and, and their schedule's pretty favorable, I think. They have – I mean – I don't yeah. even know how to say that name. Duckison. So that's a that's a that's a F that's a that's an Appalachian State team, right? To start the season off on September fourth. <laughs> California, SMU, Texas. Oh Texas. yeah, Duquesne. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Duquesne. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was like, what school is that? See <laughs> <laughs> people were human. So anyway. Um so here's what I'm just gonna do. I'm just gonna do a win loss, right? California okay. should be a win, SMU should be a win, Texas should be a win. At Texas Tech, should be a win. At Oklahoma, we'll get another loss. So they're going one, two, three, four, five. They're going five and one to start the season. Yep. At West Virginia, and this is me basing it off of the talent that I'm seeing mm-hmm. from TCU. Mm-hmm. We don't. I don't believe Texas because I know that. I just don't think their defense is going to be able to stop Max Duggan. I think that TCU's defense is way better than but, Texas's. Yeah. And with you, you mentioned new coach. They're going to. Be, I think they're going to be scrambling. No, TCU. TCU. To your point. Brings back two uh, defensive backs who were first team All Big Twelve last year, mm-hmm. and they bring back two uh, sec- uh, that was first team defensive uh, 
uh, All Big Twelve, and two players, second team defense of All Big Twelve. So their the, defense is stacked. So <laughs> they have a strong yeah. senior experience. The defense, I agree with you. I think that that's going to be a big part of the difference. Yeah. So, but so I, you were at West Virginia there. Yeah. So I, that's a toss up game. I, they got them at home. We'll give that. I, that's that's a win. So they're seven and one. Kansas State, I think, is going to be. The problem is, is like Kansas State. Since the Snyder days have been hit or miss, very up they down. produce some really good linemen still. Mm-hmm. Um, but so just for the sake of argument, we're going to go eight and one. They're going to lose to Baylor, so they're eight and two. But the, and the, that's their first home loss. At this point, they're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like okay, they they have at Oklahoma State, so they're seven and three. Because I don't think they're going to be able to beat Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's kind of just they're still that power, the mm-hmm. perennial team in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Kansas is a win, and then Iowa State. So, and we talked about a little bit like last week about Iowa State potentially coming in and having one loss and being able to get a rematch against Oklahoma, or versus maybe they beat Oklahoma. So this is this is a four loss team. All right, my numbers have them at eight and four. Yeah, this is. I mean, realistically, and that's what I'm seeing. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not saying go go to the run to Vegas, put money on it. But I just don't I don't see how they can't lose. Pairing injury, right? If Max Duggan goes down, who knows? But realistically, I don't this is a this is a four loss team, should be. Um, and, and that sets them up pretty well for twenty twenty three. They they should be ranked in the top twenty five at that point. Um, I just don't I don't they could even be a three loss team if they are able to find a way to beat Oklahoma State. You know? But who knows how Oklahoma State's gonna be this year. I don't really know much about their offense coming back aside from um really honestly like i, I mean oklahoma state's kind of hit or miss and like it's one of those things where yeah. i mean spencer sanders is still he's really good chubba hubbard was there was there was their guy last year oh yeah i mean chubba hubbard was one of the, probably the best running back oklahoma state's had since barry sanders right but uh, but he's gone and that's shoes to fill yeah uh you know i mean uh I my my numbers my power ranking for TCU is number twenty seven in the country. Okay, so, so then they should be ranked top twenty five at the end, like I was saying, like uh, with a, with a, with a potentially three or four loss team because I don't know if Oklahoma State can replace Chuba. They're going to be right yeah. on the edge. Yeah, if they if they if they are able to beat the four teams, my numbers have them losing to at Oklahoma. I don't think anyone would argue with no. that. At Kansas State is probably close to a toss up. Okay, at Oklahoma, that's probably the best opportunity is probably at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. If they can pull that one off, we're Oklahoma State. So their yeah. margin is probably yeah. somewhere between seven and five, ten and two. Yeah, okay. But my numbers have them at eight and four, like you said, that's right solid. on the verge of the top twenty. That's a solid year for them. So you know, and, and like I said, I want to highlight them because I just think that that's the team to kind of keep an eye on. If you're a TCU fan, definitely hit us up. Let us know. Um, there's certain players that we're missing. We did. We do our best to try, like you said, highlight. We're not just gonna. Focus on the big schools because it's just um, almost too easy. You know what I mean. We want to do our homework and, and and let you guys know some some good schools to watch um, that make the conference competitive. Because as we hinted earlier, Texas Oklahoma leaving leaves the door open for TCU Oklahoma State. You know what I mean? Like to win the big big sevens at that point or big eights. You know what I mean? Like uh, I don't <laughs> know what would happen with yeah. all of that. I think yeah. TCU would would look to probably leave, or Oklahoma State would for sure probably look to leave. Um, I think all of them at that point, it would just be get what you can. Yeah. There's no loyalty anymore. Yeah. It's, do you know what I'm saying? Like It's frustrating for me. I, it's going to be interesting because yeah. one thing, I, I'll tell you another thing, just to uh, move that off topic since we've completed with the Big 12 uh, yeah, absolutely. recap there. And it sounds like we're pretty much uh, 
on the same page with the Big 12 coming into this year. Absolutely. Um, but one thing, another rumor that I heard was if if the SEC does vote to allow Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC, mm-hmm. that you might see uh, apparently there there could be talks between the Pac-12 and the ACC about joining and for, and basically forming a a West Western U.S. conference and an Eastern U.S. and wow. they, they play each other for a championship in order to create leverage against the Big Ten, who already is the greatest revenue creator, and the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma. Wow. I know, but then I'll tell you what: if you are Boise State, you're on your way to FCS relegation. No, I mean seriously. You think so? Well, if you're not in. You, it's going. I feel like Boise State would get a call. I think just what they made, tradition-wise, prestige-wise. Yeah. I mean, you think of the beating Oklahoma the way they did in that big yeah. bowl game. I mean, that that's got well, but, but then the conference has got to be willing to drop yeah. somebody, right? Well, maybe. I mean, that's the thing. You think the SEC is going to drop Vanderbilt, Missouri? I, well, I'll tell you right now. I don't think the Big Ten cares one iota about Rutgers. No, I think they would drop Rutgers. Rutgers think, you know, it's a, my uh, thing would be like if you're a private school like Rutgers. I don't think the SEC cares a thing about Vanderbilt. I think they should make their own league: Vanderbilt, Rutgers. Um, you know, even and and join that Ivy League: Duke, Princeton. Oh, I think that they Connecticut is an independent. UConn too, Notre Dame. I, I think that I mean Notre I, Dame I think I think Notre Dame needs to be in the ACC, but I'm saying like private school wise, you yeah. know what I mean? Like if they if they wanted to, they, they could easily though. form their own and just say, all right, you know, we're gonna be the best of the worst. Notre Dame likes their autonomy. They're not gonna do. But 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 I agree with you. If those like you mentioned earlier, if it turned into three massive like. SEC, some combination of Pac-12 and ACC and Big Ten. Yeah, I think somebody would scoop up Boise and BYU. I think probably. so too. Yeah. I think so too. So, without further ado, that will end up doing it. That'll end up being it. Actually, um, yeah. I, I think we hit a, a lot of really amazing things that happened throughout the week. We highlighted some Big Twelve conference. We highlighted some recruits. Um, this is, you know, it's been it's been fun. Yeah, this episode's been, fun. been a lot yeah. of fun. I uh, can't stop smiling again. Um, like I said at the beginning of last week's podcast, we're gonna hit it at the end here. My name is Alan. That is Tyson. We're you're gonna be your hosts moving forward in the fan section from section 100 to section 3000. We're gonna be here for the entire time, man. We're very excited for this. We really, really hope that you guys enjoyed this as well. Um, and we just want to say, see ya. See you next week. Watch some Olympics. Go Team USA. Uh-huh.